0: In here.
1: And the beast keeps running, running, and running, running, and, and running, 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 and running. And welcome everyone to Endless Possibilities, of course, your Wednesday wellness program with Pulse eighty nine point nine. It's Catherine Jean and of course Megan. Good morning. And on the line we have this morning uh, Michael Sheedy from the Anglicare Head of Mental Health. How are you this morning, Michael?
2: I'm oh, doing great. Thank you very much. And um, looking forward to having a chat this morning.
1: Yeah, it's um, a really great subject that uh, I was speaking to Tracy at the suicide prevention on Friday we had here in Richmond. And mm. uh, talking about the uh, suicide prevention for elderly, I think sometimes we forget about the elderly in this fashion and how much life loneliness uh, and what else ever goes to this point of uh, them thinking that they need to finish their life?
2: That's right. I mean, it's something we've noticed at Anglicare because not only do we offer a range of services, such as mental health services and suicide prevention services at Anglicare, but we do a lot of aged care work and we really notice that older people are sometimes a bit left out in terms of the supports mm-hmm. that they're given. And when I mention to people, some of the stats about as people age that mental ill health such as um, depression, the stats um, worsen when people age and very few people would actually know that in terms of the suicide uh, statistics across Australia, even though suicide affects all age groups and um, you know lifestyles, not many people would know that Um, As a proportion of their total population, it's men, 80 and over, who have the highest suicide rate of any age group in Australia. So most people who lose their lives to suicide in Australia are middle-aged men because they're the largest group of people. But as a percentage of their population cohort, it's actually older men. They've got a rate of suicide uh, two to three times higher than everybody else in society. And we've noticed at Anglicare that Until recently, there hasn't been a whole lot of supports directly targeting the problem of mental ill health and suicide in older people, and so we've tried to step up in that regard.
1: It's very interesting when you talk about this because uh, there's actually so many things recently, Megan and myself have been talking to other people, other organisations, and uh, one of the things we talked about it's sort of related, is about uh, the Greek diet and how good it was for diabetes, you know, dementia, Mm. blah, blah, blah. But the blue zone came into it. And the blue zone being people that were centenarians that had been lived to 100 and plus. And one of the things in that that was very prominent was socialisation and that they had value and they felt that every morning they got up and they had to do something. And for the men, it may have been going up and attending to the goats up in the hills and making sure that they're safe. But the thing is, every morning they went up, they cared for something and they only worried about what they could actually fix. Mm,
2: Mm, mm, It's interesting, isn't it? Um, and you see some of those protective factors as people age. You know, some people age and they age really well. Mm. Um, but at, at Anglicare, we notice that there's sometimes in society, whether people know it or not, there's a creeping ageism in Australian society. And that sometimes that can be totally unintentional. Um, and by ageism, I mean sometimes in Australia... People, older people can lose hope and can become more soci- socially isolated and then they can spiral down and depression and anxiety can increase and people can think about taking their lives. And by, with ageism, sometimes we think, well, they're old. Of course they're going to think like that. Yeah. Whereas other societies that you refer to, they don't necessarily see the process of ageing like that. And we at Anglicare also know we come across a lot of older people that really age really well and, you know, are looking in the moment, not defining themselves by what they might have done pre retirement, but they're, they're, they're living in the moment and look, and even if they're dealing with some sort of physical ailment, as you tend to when you get older, mm. they're still living well. Mm. And so we're trying to, you know, in effect, bottle that and let. Other older people know that actually you can live a good life, uh, even though there are impediments. Um, And so we're really trying to encourage that. So what you refer to is quite interesting, isn't it, that um, in some cultures, particularly historically, they, they really celebrate aging. But sometimes in Australia, we don't.
1: Uh, that's so true, and it's uh, the people that were actually. I, I looked at a Netflix. It just so happened minding the grandchildren, and bang, you know, it was. Let's look at the uh, Wiggles, and I went, "No, we're looking at Blue Zone," which they had no idea what they were watching. <laughs> so it worked for me. <laughs> um, but the thing is that uh, what they had in there was how. As you, and you correct here, the people, younger people, were. Not looking at it as a chore or a duty, they mm. wanted to be with these people. And yeah. one of the stories was a woman that actually uh, had no children; she never married, and uh, so she went to hospital. And these these group of people, a family, uh, sort of uh, brought her into the family before she went to hospital. Yeah. But when she was in hospital, everyone went in and held her hand, and. Yeah. It was just letting her know that she had someone and that they were there.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And and yet some people don't have that. And so Anglicare, we've recently, um, with generous funding from the New South Wales government and from the Commonwealth government, Anglicare, um, we're now running a program called Suicide Prevention for Seniors mm. and we're trying to... Um, It's basically a training program, and it's free to people. It takes three hours of your time, and you can do it online through live um, Zoom webinars that we run. It's free because it's funded by the government, so the government pays Anglicare to run it. What we do is, in the Suicide Prevention for Seniors, we give people some general techniques that you can do to support an older person who you might be concerned about. I mean, you know when you're you're not a doctor, but you can do a St. John's, ambulance first mm-hmm. aid for physical health, but you can you can intervene and do some basic first aid on physical matters, even if you're not a doctor or a nurse. And it's the same with suicide prevention. So we're training people about some various techniques that they can look out for. So when an older person does become socially isolated and they're not their self and they're starting to talk about wanting to die, mm-hmm. we give people some skills in this suicide prevention for seniors, course, to know, when you're dealing with an older person or supporting them, how do you recognise it? How do you have conversations? Mm. We give people confidence to know that just asking somebody, are you thinking of taking your life if you're concerned? You're not going to generally make matters worse. Generally, you're going to make matters better because the older person is often going to be feeling like they're being taken seriously.
0: Yeah,
2: And, uh, then, and then we give people some skills about what to do next. Mm. And that's what's unique about the Suicide Prevention for Seniors program that Anglicare runs is we talk about some general suicide prevention techniques, but then we give some some specifics about how that particularly relates to older people. Mm. You know, some of the specific risks about social isolation and losing a loved one and dealing with chronic pain Mm. and all the things that as people age, they have to deal with. Mm. We give in the training, Mm. um, we help people apply suicide prevention techniques Mm in ways that are very appropriate to apply with older people.
1: And how long have you been running that?
2: Um, About uh, three years. And so, no, actually closer to two and a half years. And we're now running it across Australia. Um, And if anybody wants to sort of find out about it or sign up for it, it's free because, as I say, it's funded by Australian and New South Wales governments. They just go into your search engine on your phone or on your computer and just type in suicide prevention for seniors Mm. and then the page comes up and it gives you some information and you can hit a link if you want to sign up and it's free. It takes three hours and I would recommend it for anybody who has much to do with older people, whether you're an aged care worker or a carer or whatever.
1: I think it's brilliant. I, I actually mm. am a lifeline person. That's, I've sat on the phones there and I know that the skills I learned in uh, the courses I did to do that were the best communication um, learning I ever did in my life. So it's
2: fantastic, isn't it? Um, just the skills you pick up being a lifeline telephone counsellor mm. and um, and uh, you know, we, we, we in this program I mean, we've trained in the last two and a half years over 4,000 people around Australia wow. and The feedback we're getting has been fantastic. So we follow people up, like when you've done the training, we follow you up um, three months after you've done the training. We ask people, okay, so are you still remembering what you learned in the course? Uh, Have you been able to have any opportunities to have a meaningful and critical conversation with an older person who you think is at risk? And it's quite a high proportion, about a third of the people we follow up. Within three months, they've said to us, yeah, I've actually remembered the, the course content, and I've actually... Um, had a critical conversation with an older person that I identified through um, their skills they picked up in the course. I identified as at risk, and I was able to ask the question to the person, are you thinking of taking your life, and give them some resources. And so we're just so gratified. I was a bit taken aback that so many people have done the course actually within three months have been able to apply it in ways that are really saving lives for older people.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fabulous, and, and the mm. fact that you, they're coming back and saying that they've they've utilized those skills in yeah. your life is just fantastic. Um, as far as you mentioned us as Australians in our culture, mm. and and the sort of ageists we become where we do push things to the side when our aging uh, parents and family members actually want to have those conversations with us about. Not being here
2: anymore. Um, they do.
0: When do we? Some,
2: sometimes they do.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they're important conversations to be have, as difficult as what they could be. Yeah, and particularly, I think so. Particularly for direct family members. So I think so. Do you? Do you have some advice? Is this course aimed at those family members that are struggling with those difficult conversations?
2: Very much so, because. Sometimes, and this goes for all age groups, not just for older people, but in terms of suicide prevention, sometimes people, they're facing a situation and they're in emotional distress. And in the moment, and it could be an older person or it could be a younger person, and sometimes in the moment, and some of your listeners will probably empathise and relate to this, in the moment, a person might think in their emotional distress the answer to my problem is ending my life. Mm. I don't have hope and this is the best way that I can see to deal with my emotional distress. Mm. And what we find for all age groups, older people included, is that if somebody can just have gentle conversations, be a listening ear, so be, be be quick to listen and slow to speak when, and don't overreact when somebody's expressing suicide thinking. Often you get the person through the immediate emotional distress crisis and then people can see that actually their options are much broader than they thought and very often they won't then be thinking about ending their life as the most appropriate strategy to deal with their emotional distress. They'll be thinking about other things. They'll be seeing life in a bit more balanced way. They might have lost a partner, they might be dealing with chronic pain, but they can still have hope and live a decent life. And so that I would really encourage it uh, for people to do the suicide prevention for seniors course, not just if you're working with older people professionally, like if you're an aged care worker, but obviously it's going to help you, but just if you're a, a concerned family member and you're having conversations with your mum or dad or somebody in your family about it. And it. You know, you can distinguish between an older person just talking about, look, I'm looking forward to being with God when I die. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily inappropriate, a comment like that. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking to an older person and they're really making concrete plans to end their life, that's where you can really step in and um, support the person. Mm
1: -hmm. Very interesting. Very. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yes.
1: One of the things that I've also... um, been very uh, sort of active is the men's shed, which is something that oh, yeah. I think is just absolutely wonderful. And uh, I can't understand if there's any resistance to it in any areas, communities, why there would be, because to me, it steps in and fills the gap. Like when you said that the uh, people that are more inclined to commit suicide and men 80 and over, two, three times higher. I mean, from what I've understood, women have the gift of the gab, hence why you're talking to two women here. (laughs) And, um, you know, they, they... seem to uh, do that gathering and communicating a lot better than what men, whereas the generations coming through in these ages now, yeah. and maybe it might change in generations to come, uh, they've been the breadwinners and they're one, the ones that have supported yeah. the family. They've done everything. And then when they finally retire, it's, it's, if they don't have that gap filled, they can fill that, well, what's my purpose?
2: That's right. That's right. Um, Catherine and Megan, I will mention something that you might be a little bit surprised about You know, on the question of males and females and who's most likely to have suicide risk. So when we see the statistics in Australia about suicide across all age groups, it's, it's just over 3,000 people a year in Australia who lose their lives to suicide each year. Mm. And of those 3,000, um, you could multiply that by a factor of about 21 to actually estimate how many people make a serious attempt on their lives. So what that's saying is about 65,000 people each year across Australia make a serious attempt on their life. And then the amount of people, it's obviously a larger number than 65,000 in terms of people who are planning suicide. What I will say is of the 3,000 or so people that lose their lives, okay, 75% of them are men. So you might say, oh, well, it's primarily a male problem. But there's another statistic that not many people are aware of, and that is the majority of people who present to a hospital emergency department after a suicide attempt are women. Oh, really? Yes. And that's not something... So it's about... Last time I saw the stat, it's something like about 60% of people who present to a hospital emergency department after a suicide attempt are women. So you ask yourself the question: If that's the case, why is it that seventy-five percent people who lose their life to suicide are men? It's one of the reasons is because um, men who attempt suicide tend to take more lethal means. Okay. Um, whereas, whereas, we, I, I, well, the only reason why I'm mentioning this statistic is I just want your listeners to know that even though the majority of people who lose their lives to suicide in Australia are men, including older men, Mm -hmm. it's also very much a problem. Suicide risk is still very much a problem for women as well. Mm -hmm. And and notwithstanding that, I think you're right, Megan and Catherine, women, as a general rule, tend to be a bit more networked and a bit more natural at that when they're ageing, whereas men sometimes can fall into the the tendency to be a bit isolated. Um, But I just think it's a male and female issue here.
1: Yeah, I think I'd totally agree with you on that. Look, would you be able to stay with us a bit longer and we just go to a short sponsor break? Sure. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. Of course, it's uh, Wellness Wednesday with Endless Possibilities, myself, Catherine-Jean and um, Megan Kerr. And we have on the line today Michael Sheedy for a Head of uh, Mental Health in Anglicare. And we've been talking about the suicide prevention um, courses you run for elderly and the statistics around suicide. I, I think that's really interesting what you mentioned before the break there, Michael, was the fact that if we didn 't have as many women that present at hospital after suicide attempts. those figures would be rather close and we we can't forget about uh, women being very prominent in this as well
2: yeah I think so I think so Catherine and Megan um, you know when people the people we talk to at Anglicare, so we do research about this and you know we've got a lot of aged care services at Anglicare, so we speak to older people and um, some people, as we all know, and your listeners would know, some older people, they go into their retirement years and they do it really well and they network and they don't necessarily live, you know, defying themselves totally by what they've done in the past, but they live in the present. They maintain friendships. Um, they pursue volunteering opportunities if they're well enough and not too frail. And so they can live the good life. And we know other older people um, sometimes get into that sense of, losing hope. Sometimes they feel that the rugs pull from underneath them that they didn't expect it to be like that when they retired and they lose a bit of hope. Mm. But they become isolated and it can spiral down so mm. um, we're very much aware of this and just really wanting, at Anglicare we really feel that you know, living in your older years it can be a really great time mm. and um, we really want to support people uh, to, to live well and um, Suicide Prevention for Seniors program is just one way that we can equip people who deal with older people to help them to live well.
1: I I think that with this, with what you're doing, that even if we were to go back uh, with people that are, uh, well, ageing as we all are, Uh, Mm -hmm. to look at before we actually, as you say, they plan their retirement well, is to have more information out there about actually the resources that are around for volunteering. Uh, And, like, I know that here we have the Richmond Community Services and they have people actually going out and seeing people that are in isolated areas that could be, um, you know, elderly and that there's other services around that are trying to actually do that.
2: But, um... Yes, and there's, that, that's right. And, and there's a there's a website. If anybody um, just has a pen and paper, it's um, the New South Wales Volunteering Centre. You can just put that into your search engine if you've got access to, to a computer, mm-hmm. and or contact the New South Wales Volunteering Centre. And you know they've got all sort they've got a register of all sorts of volunteering opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, don't... people can contact Anglicare and put their name down mm-hmm. to volunteer.
1: And I think this is what is missing, that people don't realise it because I think probably yourself, Megan, also would have come across people that have said, well, what do I do? And you go, well, you can volunteer here. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Oh, I didn't know about that.
2: That's right.
1: And, you know, they, oh, well, I can't talk, so I wouldn't know what to talk about. So we then have that somehow trying to get them through that little barrier that, well, their shyness to, you know take on something like that.
2: Yeah. You know, there's a study, I've just read a book, um, and some of your listeners might have heard of this study. They called it a longitudinal study, and it's a study, it's in America, and it's called the Harvard study. And it's what they did was they started studying a group of men about from about 1938. Some of them went to um, Harvard University, and some of them were more in, in sort of lower socioeconomic areas within Boston and they track them throughout their whole lives and they then talk to their kids and talk to their grandkids and the study is still going. Mm. And they sort of ask these men, they track the men and they look at who did well and who didn't do well and a lot of it's about men and connecting with other people, whether it's their family and the men who did well through their lives were the ones who who made it a bit of a proactive effort to connect. Mm. And you know some men didn't do well because they might have had fantastic careers, but they were isolated. Yeah. And what I wanted to say about this study in the final chapter of this book that I read on the Harvard study was there were a few examples of men who had gone through their lives being a bit more on the isolated side and not doing well. And the interesting thing about this study was it's never too late to change your orientation as an older aging person to actually consider how you can proactively connect with others. And there were examples of men in their 70s, 80s and 90s that had been isolated up until that point and then changed and thought, thought I need to connect with others and they did it and they got great outcomes and the lesson is doesn't matter how old you are it is never too late to connect with others and volunteering could be one of those ways that you can connect with others and you can really live a good life if you're not too frail to do so.
1: I absolutely love that. I mean, to think that people will change their mindset at that age, it does yeah. give out a lot of hope for people to know that they don't have to habitually stay in the state of mind that they're used to, that there's yeah. another well, possibility out there.
2: Yeah, and as you get older, it's harder, isn't it? To We tend to often define ourselves by, you know, we, we give ourselves limits and, we, we lose a bit of confidence in sometimes in our ability to connect, but this this Harvard study proves that actually you can turn it around, and there are people who want to connect with you, even if you think even if you don't have too many too much confidence in your social skills, you can connect with others, and you are you you know you can be meaningful and have meaningful relationships with others, not just for what you get out of it, but what you can give to it by way of volunteering.
0: Yeah, just to just as a reflection, yesterday I took my daughter to the library mm. there in Windsor and uh she was contemplating how many books could she get and I said, "Oh, look, I, I think it's somewhere around maybe 4, 5. I'm not really sure." I said, "Look, get as many as you like and I don't I'm not getting any out today, so if we need to it's okay, I'll use my card." So She's put them up and she's stacked up the books and it's come up and says, you can borrow 34 books. Wow. And she looked at me and the first thing was, who borrows 34 books? And I said, well, you know what? Grandma used to borrow 34 books. Wow. And I said to her, and the reflection on that is that she was not someone, as I grew up, to say she was a reader and she loved books. Mm. But she certainly changed her mindset later in life because that was where she connected. She connected to the characters in the books and absolutely got up every day to enjoy where she was at and what she was reading.
2: Oh, interesting. It's a lovely story.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's like, well, yeah, we, we do. we When we can take that opportunity to um, make a change and be okay to do that, yeah. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. There, there was a... Um, a company in the America, and they were called the Needle Company. I don't know if you've heard of this, Michael. And they had a, a philosophy. If you could get up to the stairs to their manufacturing of needles, right, uh, you had a job. And their eldest person there celebrated their 90-something birthday there. So most of their employees were over the age of 50. They only had one person under the age of 50 there and they would come whatever time if they had restless leg syndrome or something that would stop them uh, in normal working hours, the place was open for them to come in those hours.
2: That's so, so interesting and uh, I love it that, that there's such inclusion of older people mm. who gives them an opportunity to – do something for them that's productive, but presumably there's also social opportunities there. Keep oh, massive. Doing that. Massive yeah. social
1: yeah. opportunities there. Yeah. Um, another, um, oh, psychologist, uh, Dr Ellen Langer. Now, have you heard of her? No. Right. She's done a lot of work in mindsets and she did a book called Counterclockwise and what she did, she took a group of people that were celebrity status that were in their big heydays in the, say, 60s and they – then, uh, then coming on age and being in the 80s when she did this, she put them into a house that was all back to what the 60s were. So it was this magazine 60s, the tins were of the 60s, the colour of the, everything. It was like they walked back in age. She um, measured their mental and physical agility before she did this. And then, after they stayed in this house for so long, she then measured it afterwards. And it showed that they were capable of thinking themselves younger. So, the brain uh, and the mind is so powerful and we, we yes, so underestimate it.
2: We do. And, um, you know, even when people age and they deal with issues like, for instance, some chronic. Physical health issues. Mm. Uh, we know with the mental health services that we run at Anglicare mm. that um, people can still emotionally feel well um, independently of um, their their physical health condition. Yes. So just because you have a physical health condition, it's it's not necessarily a sentence that you, a life sentence to actually have poor emotional health. Mm. Um, And uh, some older people do that well, you know, that sort of mindset. I've done it tougher before. I can handle this. You know, I've lived through the war. I can handle this little (laughs) thing. So anyway, it's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, Uh, Fascinating. But Anyway, look, at this is something we all need to consider because we're all getting older ourselves and, and we have people in our families who are getting older. And as a, a portion of the Australian population, um, you know, it's significantly the amount of people as a portion of the Australian population who are, you know, 65 and over, it's mm. uh, expanding every year. Mm. So this is something we all need to deal with and uh, it is possible to age well. Mm. And anybody who's interested in learning a little bit more about suicide prevention for older people, please don't hesitate to put into your computer search engine suicide prevention for seniors and it's a free course.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to be doing it. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're, we're both going to do it. And actually, Lovely. would
1: someone be available after we've done it to talk about the course with someone on radio? Oh, of course. Because I think that would be, you know, we've done it, we can say, you know, what the benefits and everything. And I, I just yep. think it would be hopefully a great way to promote this even further again.
2: Yeah, we'd be happy to do that.
1: Yeah. Look, Michael, thank you so much for chatting to us today. Um So interesting. So very, very interesting. And uh, we'll get this out on a podcast and, of course, linking uh, the websites that you've mentioned as well in this.
2: Lovely. Thanks so much, Catherine and Megan.
1: No worries. Thank you very much. ta Thanks, Michael. Bye-bye. And, of course, that was Michael uh, Sheedy, the head of mental health in Anglicare, and he was talking to us uh, regarding the suicide prevention for elderly course that they're running. That's a three-hour course, and we have the links to that. Uh, Megan and myself, we're going to do the course. Mm. And uh, I think it would be interesting, Megan, to do it and discuss it afterwards. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.